0: 1099.3 WBT the Pete Calendar show. I'm the Pete of the show. Coincidentally enough. All right. Returning back to the program, Congressman Ted, Budd. he is a, uh, uh, candidate for us Senate of North Carolina as well. Welcome back, sir. How are you?
1: It is great to be with you. Happy Thanksgiving. Last time we talked, we, uh, reviewed your intro song when the Levee breaks by led zeppelin and uh so uh much thumbs up for that already
0: right well they let me keep it well. yeah i'm doing well and uh, happy thanksgiving to you and your family uh also so um you wrote a letter to the charlotte city council and the mayor i guess it was just to the mayor is this what is this uh Uh, Do you sit down? Are you, like, old school? Do you write the whole letter out longhand? And then, like, uh, sometimes I'll write letters I don't even send them, like Abraham Lincoln used to do. Anything like that?
1: I I think that was one of the smartest things to do. (laughs) Yeah, We do write a lot of letters and not even send them. But this one, you know, we started looking at this thing. And and the ARP money, you know, first of all, we're for getting our economy back on its feet. We're for getting businesses open. We're for getting back to normal um, and making sure that families and people are safe. But when this American Rescue Plan, while it's well-titled, it was poorly executed. And this is untargeted money from D.C. poured out onto various municipalities and counties counties all around our country and with no oversight. And now we've got the problem that I was talking about when it was legislation saying that there's going to be waste, fraud, and abuse here, and uh, we, we've got to rein this stuff in and it seems like we've uh, struck a nerve uh, with this letter uh, that we, you know, I don't know the the details of being in Charlotte last night at the city council meeting, but we've certainly struck a nerve with um, how this money was being directed or misdirected.
0: So, yeah, we've actually spent, uh, I've I've been going over the background on the story over the last hour. Uh, I spent uh, last night watching the council uh, debate this stuff, among other things, but this was the big one that I was watching out for. Um, And, and, to your point, though, about this essentially I called it earlier helicopter money, right? Like that's the that's what this was. It was just push all the money out as quickly as possible. I think you could make an argument at the very beginning of the pandemic um, for the helicopter money. And people said, well, there's going to be waste, fraud and abuse. And it, I guess that's kind of the trade off. You just have to accept that that's going to happen. And the, it's just it's worth it, basically. Right. It's worth whatever the amount of waste, fraud and abuse, because you can't possibly construct enough safeguards in order to in the process of getting the money out fast but the ARpa was much later like uh, there there could have been better controls
1: how yeah Pete I want to go back to your first statement there is I don't accept any waste fraud reviews even in these early stages of covid uh, I, I want to start with the view that every taxpayer dollar is sacred and i I don't care if that's taxing a, a millionaire or the hard-working person that gets up at 5 a.m uh, for that early shift or late shift. I mean, you got to treat a dollar as sacred no matter where it comes from and and no matter where it goes. So if that's early COVID money in a crisis or if that's late COVID money, like this uh, obvious uh, ARP money from Biden, I, I think you got to treat it as sacred, and that's not being done right now.
0: What about the obvious benefits of the helicopter money, which is the inflation that we all now get?
1: Well, welcome to the most expensive <laughs> Thanksgiving in history. We've got a lot to be thankful for, even with all the crazy going on in this world. Uh, you, you know, no matter which perspective you come from, there's a lot of crazy, but we still have so much to be thankful for. And uh, we need to spend a little time this week counting our blessings, uh, being grateful for those in our life that we love and we care for. But That still doesn't mean we we can, uh, you know, advocate ourselves of fiscal responsibility, which is not happening in this case that you've been talking about.
0: Yeah. So is there uh, last question on this? Uh, Is there uh, is there anything specifically that you are looking for from the city and the mayor? What do you what do you want? And what will uh, I guess will satisfy?
1: Yeah, sure. So, you know, the the city now some of the 15 million dollars is going to go to things like digital inclusion. Well, what does that mean? And look, I'm for uh, bridging the digital divide between people that have and don't. I wanna, I've want to. i supported rural broadband. We saw people having to work from home and getting way behind because they didn't have good connections. I'm for fixing that. But what do you mean or what does she mean by digital inclusion? And then, and then Pete, what is meant by grassroots nonprofit support? What organization is she talking about? Remember the door-to-door vaccine rollout back in Charlotte? They mm-hmm. partnered essentially with the Acorn people. It was an offshoot of Acorn the same people. And, but then, you know, who's making decisions in these organizations? Is it the mayor's friends? Is it her supporters? We really need transparency there. And so far, we haven't gotten that.
0: Yeah. Um, did you uh, just, uh, I guess, out of left field here, but the uh, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, uh, President Biden wants to tap that. That's going uh, to gonna relieve the burden, I think, for like two days. I think that's basically. Uh, yeah.
1: 50 <laughs> billion gallons uh, is supposedly reduced. First of all, that is, um, it's really a strategic failure that he's dealing with, and you don't need to tap the strategic petroleum reserve. What you need to do is endorse the Keystone Pipeline. Remember, you shut down capacity, which uh, you've got more dollars out there chasing less goods because he's closing down capacity, which is inflation by its very definition. So let's reopen the Keystone Pipeline. It's more envi- environmentally sound uh, for, for those who have that as their top concern. It's more environmentally sound than shipping things by train. It drives down the cost to consumers, and it reduces inflation. And, but he's pro Nord Stream 2 over in Europe, which gives Putin more power over Western Europe. But he's against our own Keystone pipeline right here. It's not about the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. It's about his strategic failure.
0: Yeah. Um. And uh, also the... Uh... I was wondering if you uh, had any plans if, uh, you know, you've got uh, the U.S. Senate race here. If it doesn't work out, maybe you're going to go start painting, second career as a painter. Like, I I understand it's very lucrative nowadays.
1: Uh, Uh, The only kind of house painting, I know house painting, (laughs) but I don't know the uh, artistic kind like Hunter Biden. Yeah,
0: no, Uh, I I understand. You You can make a lot. Yeah, you can make a lot of money. (laughs) Uh, There is quite some honeydews stacking
1: up. So I think uh, my wife, Amy Kate, probably has some honeydews (laughs) on her list. Involving painting for me.
0: (laughs) So I saw also Erica Smith. She's a Democrat. She was running for U.S. Senate. She's now going to run for the seat uh, Congressman Butterfield says he's retiring out of. So uh, I guess you're not going to face her um, uh, in a general election. Um, And uh, so I'm wondering what you make of that news today.
1: Well, look, we're going from uh, 13 total uh, Republican or 13 total districts in, in Congress to now the delegation will be 14. And this is when the lines should be redrawn, and that's what makes a lot of these decisions for folks. Uh, and so people have got to decide where they run or, want to run. And you know, Erica Smith's welcome to do that. But this is a sign of our state growing. But let's grow, let's grow urban, let's grow rural, and uh, let's make sure that we're strong as a state and we're strong as a country. But you know, where people run, that's their their personal decision.
0: Uh, before I let you go, I, I lied. One last question on the Charlotte letter: Do you do you have a deadline for when you want this information back? Are you, you did you put them on a clock or anything? I didn't see it in the letter.
1: Well, I think the meeting kind of started back uh, uh, you know, on October 26. That's really when this all started. Yeah. Uh, but we, we wanted ASAP, and we don't think it really should really take that long. Um, we would like you know a detailed breakdown of these planned projects or awardees of any CARES or uh, ARP or CARES money. Um, you know, we just think that it's about treating taxpayer dollars as sacred.
0: Yeah. Uh, I appreciate uh, you making some time for us. Happy Thanksgiving, Congressman Ted Bund, U- uh, Bud, U.S. Senate candidate as well. And uh, come on back onto the program anytime you'd like, sir. Appreciate your time. Sure will. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. Thanks again to Congressman Ted Bud, also candidate for U.S. Senate. Uh, Also, the author of the letter I read, uh, I think most of the letter, if not all of it, I think I read virtually all of the letter yesterday that he sent out to the mayor saying, uh, I write in light of recent budget, a recent budgetary decision by the city of Charlotte. And uh, he talks about how the federal legislation has statutory and regulatory guardrails. He asks specifically about the digital inclusion and grassroots nonprofit support that's part of uh, the mayor's equity initiative that she announced um, and said, uh, please provide my office with the following information, substantive details about both the total spending plan of any appropriated federal taxpayer dollars uh, from the CARES Act and the ARPA, uh, with specific note of the digital inclusion and grassroots nonprofit support categories by the city of Charlotte. Also explain how spending on these two identified initiatives will help the city of Charlotte recover from the pandemic. Um, site provisions of the CARES Act and ARP Act uh, that authorize spending on these projects. And uh, also he's asking for a detailed breakdown of planned projects or awardees. Now, last night, the city council had its meeting and Charlotte Observer... Reports that uh, some council members said Monday that they did not know that funds spent from the American Rescue Plan would be included in the mayor's initiative, which, yeah, no, of course not. There was no mention of this during the discussion about the ARPA funding back at the October 26th uh, council retreat. They didn't, none of this was framed as part of the mayor's initiative, This was just the ARPA funding. The mayor then, like a week later, comes out makes the big announcement about her equity initiative. Which, by the way, according to the, let me get back to the, yeah, back to the press release here from November first. The Charlotte Executive Leadership Council. Oh, sorry. um, Yeah, the Charlotte Executive Leadership Council, or the CELC answered the initial call from Mayor Lyles for a corporate response following the murder of George Floyd and other events in 2020 that exposed long-standing racial inequities. A corporate response team was established. So this is all still from the George Floyd murder. That's, That's where this stems from. And so now we got all this ARPA money, and so they're just going to Branded, Right. That's what they're talking about. They're branding this because if the argument is that this is covid pandemic relief money and it is being directed to pandemic relief efforts, then putting it under the banner of the mayor's equity initiative, that's simply a branding job. Right. Because what's the other explanation here? The other explanation would be that she's taking pandemic money or the city is taking pandemic money and using it for non-pandemic responses. And that would be illegal. (laughs) So so I suspect they're not going to go with that explanation. All right. Council members said they did not know the funds uh, would be included in the initiative. The money also raised concerns from U.S. Representative Ted Budd who was running for U.S. Senate. Bud wrote a letter to the mayor last week asking for details. Neither the mayor nor the city manager responded to Bud's letter yesterday, although Lyles issued a statement on Friday saying she would review the letter and compile a detailed response. City manager Marcus Jones assured the council last night that no money would be spent without further approval by the council. Lyles also said money would need further approval and she apologized for not being more clear with council members before she announced her digital inclusion pledge. So a couple, two things out of this. City Manager Jones assures the council that no money would be spent without further approval by the council. That is because the council put this on the agenda last night and probably because Ted Budd wrote a letter and probably because it's now gotten a lot of media attention. But but more importantly, as I mentioned at the end of the last hour, you've got the creation of these advisory committees f- for overseeing each of the, quote, buckets of the money and... As it was explained last night, well, here, let's take a listen. This, uh, to number seven, clip seven, go.
2: The manager assured us in the first slide. This is Councilman that, uh Council would have you know, the, the, op- the opportunity, I guess, to approve or, or to. Um, and at the same time, our, our freedom to do that is kind of limited to the extent that we, we can't uh, fail to go along with this agreement without risking breaking it all up. Right, and, and I think the goals are, are, uh, are undisputed, right? I think we're fine on that. I, I'm just wondering operationally how it works going forward and whether the council is really going to be able to make a decision, a choice about the use of funds when this framework is already out there. It feels to me like uh, if we try to deviate from this framework, we're going to look like we're, we're not supportive of the program, which we are. Uh, or we're going to jeopardize our relationship with the private sector. I feel that we're kind of locked in at this point, And whether or not we really have a lot of latitude to decide about the future use of those corridor funds.
0: Right. So That was one component, the corridor funds. And then the other uh, component uh, was the digital inclusion funds. So, yeah, that's the they're locked in. If it seems like they got boxed in, they got corralled into this. It's because they did. It looks like that because that's what happened. Charlotte City Council members asking the mayor, hey, so what's up with this equity initiative that you did where you took the money that we approved for uh, various categories under the American Rescue Plan Act? You took that money and used it for your big branded mayor's equity initiative. What's up with that? Councilman Ed Driggs rightly points out, Council is locked in now. Council's locked in. There's just the negative PR that they would risk in uh, upending any of the, or trying to end any of these types of uh, spending programs. You can't do it. it. The risk is too great because it's now under the brand of equity. And if you try to remove the funding, now you're a racist, right? You would be branded as a racist. So... The political will is not going to ever be there to defund this stuff. And they took the money that came from the ARPA, the American Rescue Plan Act. Um, Renee Johnson, Councilwoman Johnson, said that the process was bad. She said uh, she feels like council was kept from being fully informed. But then Malcolm Graham, uh, Councilman Graham, came along and he defended the mayor. On One of
3: the board. things that really hadn't happened around this dais as of yet is to really in a very sincere and open way uh, to say thank you oh god (laughs) right um the 250 million dollar gift in addition to the announcement last week by wells fargo and fifth third bank prior to the announcement is extraordinary
0: all right is it possible is it possible that the reason why there wasn't a, a real and sincere thank you to some of the corporate entities that kicked in all of this money. Number one is because council wasn't really aware that that was the whole point of the thing. Maybe like if they were brought in, if they wanted some ownership of it, you know, but it's the mayor's initiative here. It was the mayor's initiative. Number two, is it possible that to a lot of people on the right, I know this isn't going to seem correct or plausible to folks on the left, but uh, for a lot of folks on the right, these types of initiatives... Smack of a shakedown. They—that's what they do. They smack of a shakedown. It's—it's it's hush money. It's here's—it's uh, indulgences in the new religion of wokeism. I will give you the money. You give me the indulgence, and this is my get out of hell free card. See, look at me. I donated all this money. I'm not a racist, systemically racist institution. That's what a lot of this stuff smacks of. To non-leftists. And I know that leftists don't understand that, but just thought I would throw
3: that out there. Uh, And its um, complexity uh, and the way it was brought forward to the table by the mayor. When I was first at this dais years ago, a lot of these activities started in the corporate community. Uh, Public-private partnership is the hallmark of the city of Charlotte. It's how we built this city. Uh, And the mayor, at that point... And I was there from 99 to 2005, really didn't have to do a whole lot.
0: All right. This is Malcolm Graham taking a shot at Pat McCrory because from 99 to 05, Pat McCrory was the mayor of Charlotte. And what Graham is saying is that, look, this is the way stuff has always been done in Charlotte, the Charlotte way. Business and local government, public-private partnership. And he is correct about that. But then here's the dig at McCrory. Uh, That, oh, you know, back then, the mayor didn't even have to do anything.
3: Um, As I told one of the mayor's predecessors, just drive the car and don't wreck it. Um, The corporate community was his GPS. Um, Pam Seifert ran the city, and he was surrounded by a progressive Democratic city council. So just drive the car and don't wreck it.
0: All right. That's not true. Okay, that's not true. I mean, I'm not saying he didn't say that to whoever he was saying it to. Just drive the car, don't wreck it. But this progressive city council that surrounded him, that that was not true. You had a council that, like, the joke has always been 20 years, right? The joke was that there are three parties in town. There's the Democrats, the Republicans, and the chamber, right? That was the joke. And so I understand what he's getting at here. He's not going to make that joke. He's not going to make that statement. But that's what he was alluding to, I suspect. Um, But the council wasn't a progressive city council. The council was evenly split. There were Republicans at one point that were the majority on city council at that time. So this idea that like progressives built Charlotte is a lie. Okay, that's a lie. The corporate community built it with help from Republicans and Democrats. And now Democrats want to pretend that it was all them. And that's a lie. They did not build this city all by themselves. And the progressives damn sure didn't, okay? Damn sure didn't. Now, you could say they were progressive for their time, okay, but by today's standards, no. No. Progressive today means something different. Progressive today means woke, it means crazy, it means, all right, it doesn't matter. But not by today's standards. Also, you notice he talked about Pam Seifert, former city manager. And that is true. You know why Pam Seifert was the one in charge of all that? Because we have a manager council form of government. That's the kind of government in North Carolina cities operate under. We do not have strong mayor systems. A lot of places, like Charlotte, mayors don't even get a vote, which is why mayors have to get creative in Charlotte in trying to figure out ways to get a branded initiative. And that's what. She just did. That's what Mayor Lyles just did with $70 million from the ARPA money. That's what she just did. I mean, Pat McCrory, he may have done like mentoring for, you know, at-risk youth, but who cares? This is Internet. Lyles is going to give us all Internet. And equity, sorry. Equitable Internet. She's going to give us equitable Internet and corridors. Of inclusivity, of opportunity. Um, Pat McCrory, he just talked about corridors of crap. Remember that? <laughs> well, he was talking about <laughs> he was talking about the artwork at the time that was going up on South Boulevard along the light rail line, and how a lot of the artwork, quote unquote, artwork looked a lot like the corridors of crap that they were tearing down. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Outrage ensued. All right. Back to Malcolm Graham.
3: Um, Fast forward, the mayor has to be intimately involved uh, in working with um, the private community in a more direct way versus 10, 15 years ago. Because the private community interests are international now. No one's just thinking specifically about Charlotte each and every day. 15, 20 years ago, they all thought about Charlotte each and every day. And so I want to thank the mayor for providing the leadership uh, on this initiative uh, in terms of bringing the public and the private community together for something that is really, really, really good.
0: All righty. So there's uh, if you can like I'm new back in town, obviously. So I'm looking to see the blocks, the alliances and uh, think I found one. (laughs) I think I found one. (laughs) Newstalk 1110993WBT. Charlotte City Councilman Tark Bakari last night at the council meeting says that the city council was positioned and misled about the $70 million or so that the council approved at their October 26th retreat. Money that came from the America Rescue Plan that the mayor then branded as part of her equity initiative.
4: On July 19th, the staff sat in front of us with the ARPA money. That's after the CARES money. It's the, it's the second round of federal money that's designed to help cities like ours and the entire country to rebound from what was going on in this COVID economic crisis that we were in, particularly small businesses. They presented us that list of everything that was there, much in the same form you see it today, and it had breakouts, and we said, yeah, we like it. Um, OK, well, let's get us some more details so we can get this money out the door urgently. And then three months goes by. And we were all sitting, having discussions. And, and we were trying to relay, hey, this is urgent. Like, we, Why aren't we addressing this with urgency? This money is here for the recovery. And we, it never made sense. We never got complete crisp answers. And then on October 26, we sat at that retreat in Winston-Salem And a presentation was given to us, nearly the identical presentation we had seen over three months earlier. And it was on the agenda as an update. And we were like, all right, maybe we'll have a robust conversation and finally make it happen. And we were surprised with the vote. And we were told when asked, we couldn't see any more detail. Now, you don't have to take my word for it. This is all online. You can go to YouTube or the City of Charlotte's Facebook page and you could go find the YouTube video Video City of Charlotte Fall Strategy Meeting October 26, 2021. And if you fast forward to the two-hour, five-minute, twenty-second mark, you will see as this topic comes up on the agenda for update, the mayor and the manager go back and forth with what I can only imagine is a scripted conversation of would it be better if we voted on this today? Well, yeah, that would help. Okay, let's vote. And there's a second. And then we have a dialogue. And if you fast forward to the 2 hour and 19 minute mark to 2.21.30, uh, you will see as we go back and forth finally as we're being forced into a vote, we're having the dialogue of, well, all we see is buckets of huge amounts of money. Um, we don't want to slow this down, because that's how we were being positioned. But can't we vote yes, and then they come back to us you know, with details of where it needs to go? And the answer was crisp, which was no. If I have to bring it back to you all, this just can't work. Let me translate that. You vote now. We'll let you know when the money's out there, wherever it ends up going, which we have no idea where it went. It's the Brewster's Millions approach to COVID and CARES Act dollars, which is once you spend it all, you won. And that is unacceptable, given the stakes of what we're dealing with right now. So today as we come back into all of this, we had that serious meeting with the manager, several of us leading up to this, and we had him place this on the agenda so we could get to the bottom of it tonight. And um, I will tell you, if we hadn't put that pressure, we wouldn't be having this kind of discussion right now that we're all having. So today we heard from the manager, there's no digital inclusion money that's going to be spent without council approval. That's fantastic. And that's because of our last three weeks of work because that wasn't the position when they tricked us into voting for it. $72 million is in control by the council. Well, it is now that we made everyone aware what has
0: happened here. This is because of what we've done since the retreat. All right. So then the mayor said that, uh, look, she told council the plans would still need approval from them. But I'm sorry if you misunderstood. <laughs> this is Like, I'm sorry if you got offended by the thing that I said that's totally not offensive, right? Like, it smacks of the it does like this. All right. Well, you you be the judge.
5: I remember saying that because I do believe that the way that this is being framed is that we have committed and given away money and there is no contract, no commitment to give money to any group except in a way that we do it in terms of a partnership, which has never really been defined except we work together in this community. And so the idea that um, we would say, "Well, we have to vote again," it would be appropriate to vote in once we decide. I think, as governance structure, who, how that contract would work, and on that plan,
0: on a governance structure. So the council doesn't have. There's no by right for the council here. See, what she, this is the advisory councils or committees that she's talking about. Like we don't know how we're going to spend it, and. Uh, I mean, look, there's no contract. I mean, we don't, you know, but everybody knows, like, well, you know, we'll talk about it or whatevs. This is not persuasive.
5: Um, If there is this idea that because we, at a retreat, agreed on 14 items that we call community vitality, And those items would go forward. Some of those are probably under the manager's signature, which he would believe, or at least if I were the manager, I would believe that um, I have the power to do that because of the amount and the authority that is in my accountability. But I do remember specifically saying that these would have to come back to the council. And that, I believe, is what we needed to be able to do tonight. Is that when we talk about the digital divide and the appropriation of that money, it has been set aside, but it has not been contracted, nor has it, nor is there anything written that says how we would do it.
0: All right. So there's no details, which is what Council was saying. They're not fans of the process. It's not about the goals of the process. It is about the process. All right. And then she offered this.
5: As I made the calls the week before the announcement, and I think I spoke with every council member, I probably had kind of like this idea that, well, I just want to make sure you have the invitation, you have the announcement, and you'll be there. And that wasn't sufficient, and it wasn't enough. And so for that, I really would like to let you all know that I have thought about it, I regret that it happened, and I am going to work towards that kind of disclosure, especially as things come up.
0: So, you notice she doesn't say she's sorry. She just says she's thought about it. She regrets that it happened, which is like this passive voice. Oh, this thing happened. And yeah, oh, I, I regret that that happened. You did it. Why is this so hard? Like you, you called up people and you're like, hey, you're going to be there. But you didn't talk with them like, hey, I'm totally like taking all of this money. I'm going to brand it as my thing because it's going to help me politically. Like that's the thing nobody is saying here. That's the point, is it helps her politically. You set aside the merits or demerits of the program and the spending. Just set all of that aside for the moment. This was a political branding effort. I suspect that's what Malcolm Graham knows, and that's why he's <laughs> he's not, you know, he's like, hey, thanks, Mayor, you did a great job. He's trying to, you know, salvage the, the PR boost out of this
5: thing. And this is what I would say also. As when I was calling people, and it was just very kind of, you know, like, this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I said, can you come? I mean, I know that certain people couldn't come. But I remember talking to Mr. Driggs, and he was telling me about the engagement party. And later when we talked, he said to me, well, Vi, if I had known that it was going to be this, I would have come back from New York. And I have to say I was probably more enthused about the engagement party and I wouldn't have come back from New York if I had had that kind of engagement party. I remember talking to Mr. Bakari.
0: Listen to what she just said, though. She just acknowledged that when she when when Driggs said to her, look, I was out of town. But when I found out what this thing actually was about, I would have come back for that, which tells you what tells you what? I don't, realize, I don't think she realizes what she just admitted to, which is that she did not communicate the nature of the announcement to Driggs. He, he could not figure out what it was beforehand, and then after he sees it, he's like, oh, I would have come back for that. That's what she just acknowledged.
5: Saying, you know,
0: oh, and now this is when she had a conversation with Bukhari.
5: Oh, this is the work that Brad has been working on. This is about, and he's like, I got, I understand it. I know what's going on. I remember talking to other people that didn't know as much, but I own that, and I want you to know that as I own things, I try to make those adjustments, and I hope that you'll understand that's what I'm trying to do, and we'll work at it consistently with this council.
0: <laughs> so that's. The- Worst apology ever! Yeah, so she's saying, oh, this is the stuff that Brad's working on. The point there is that, like, I told you two Republicans beforehand about all of this, so why are you complaining now? She's trying to accuse them of acting political, right? That's that's the counter charge here. But in making her argument, she kind of acknowledges that, yeah, she misled them. Yeah, she's branding it. She took the city spending and branded it as the mayor's. All right, Madison Cawthorn will join me up next.